Well, as I catch my breath from preaching downstairs, um, I invite you to turn your attention with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me share a few things with you. Back in the days of Jesus, it was said that there were three things that only God could open. One was the heavens to bring rain. Another was the womb to bring life. And the third was the tomb, the grave, to give life again. Apart from the supernatural power of God alone, death has always been a point of no return, a place from which no one could come back. And anyone who could accomplish a return like that would by definition be Lord over all because the power over death is the very power of God Himself. Three times in the Gospels we read that Jesus exercised power over death by raising someone from the dead. One is our scripture text for today, the raising of the daughter of Jairus, who had been dead just a matter of minutes, perhaps. And the other, or another, was the son of the widow of Nain, who had been dead for hours. That's in Luke's gospel. And then the most well-known of all in John chapter 11 is the raising of Lazarus, who had been dead for days, four days to be exact. Each of those serves to demonstrate that the man Jesus is Lord over all. He wields the power of God. And we can overcome our fears, fears of death and fears of everything else, if we will just believe and trust in Him. In Mark chapter 5, I want us to begin reading in verse 21. We'll read a few verses, skip a few verses, and then read some more. So if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. The Bible says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around Him while He was by the lake. And synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, He fell at His feet and pleaded earnestly with Him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Along the way, he was interrupted by a woman with a terrible problem, a, a hemorrhage that had plagued her for 12 years. And he stopped and gave her the attention she needed. And then we pick up in verse 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking to her, that is, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him 
He went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Thank you. Please take your seats. As we look at this text, we realize right away that Jesus does not exclude anyone who comes to Him in faith. As this account begins in verse 21, Jesus and the others have returned across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, to Capernaum, which was His base of operations. They'd been on the other side of the sea in the area of the Gerasenes, where He had healed a demoniac. In fact, chapter 5 of Mark's Gospel constitutes an increasingly difficult series of miracles. The healing of the demoniac, the healing of the woman with the hemorrhage of blood, and the the raising to life of Jairus' daughter. Each of those intended to demonstrate that Jesus is Lord over all. Nothing is beyond Him. Back in Capernaum, while Jesus was teaching the crowd, a very unlikely person came to him looking for help. His name was Jairus, and he was called in the NIV a ruler of the synagogue. He was a synagogue official. Not the only one, but one among others, those who were responsible for the worship of the Jews in Capernaum. In other words, he was a man of position, a man of influence, a man who made decisions. He was someone with position and prestige, but he didn't let that come between him and Jesus. He certainly could have. He might have wondered, well, what will my fellow rulers think if I go to Jesus? He had to humble himself to go to Jesus. In fact, the Bible says he fell at Jesus' feet in verse 22. Matthew says he knelt before Jesus. Here was this synagogue official on his knees before this Galilean teacher. Many of you here hold positions of influence and respect and prestige in your circles and your community. Has that position ever gotten between you and the Lord Jesus? Has it ever stopped you from doing or saying something that you felt God had inspired you to do or say because you thought, well, what will they think about that? Maybe I'd better stop and rethink that. Maybe that's, maybe that's just crazy. Jairus didn't let it stop him. In fact, what brought him to Jesus was the recognition and the acknowledgement that he was facing something before which he was absolutely powerless. He had done everything he could do to try to help his little daughter, it says here. Luke says she was his only daughter, but she was getting worse. In fact, she was dying, and there was nothing else he could do. Not all of his power or position or influence or respect or money, none of that could help her. And so in his powerlessness, he was desperate, and he went to Jesus. 
Now the truth is, we ourselves are all ultimately powerless in circumstances like that. The question is, are we going to have to be desperate before we acknowledge that powerlessness and come to Jesus, the only one who is Lord over all? The good news is that Jesus does not exclude anyone who comes to Him in faith. Jairus was part of a group of people who you could say were the sworn enemies of Jesus. The religious leaders, those who opposed Him, those who ultimately rejected Him, turned Him over to be crucified. You could say that Jairus was in that group. But did Jesus refuse to help him when he came to Jesus? No, of course not. As Lord over all, Jesus excludes no one who believes, who comes to Him in faith. Not Jew, not Gentile, not slave, not free, not male, not female, not even those who can't tell the difference. You come to Jesus in faith and He receives you. He does not exclude anyone who believes. Are you afraid of being excluded this morning because of something you've done no one knows about but you? Because of your pedigree, your family, the, the, the name that you bear, because of your circumstances, because of your environment, because of anything, if you're afraid of exclusion, Jesus says to you today, don't be afraid, just believe. Not only does Jesus not exclude anyone who believes in Him, but as Lord over all, Jesus knows things that we don't know, that we can't know. On the way to Jairus' house, Jesus was interrupted. In fact, it was an interruption of an interruption. Jairus himself had interrupted Jesus as he was teaching the crowds. And now, as he's on his way to Jairus' house, Jesus is interrupted again by this woman. This woman with a, a superstitious faith who had suffered with this malady for 12 years. And she had heard about Jesus and she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, grab his garment, I'll be healed. And so she pushed her way through the crowd and she, she did exactly that. And Jesus noticed her. He stopped. He talked to her. He spoke to her. He healed her in her faith. Superstitious though it was. Inadequate, incomplete, imperfect though it was. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now that's all well and good, but imagine what Jairus must have been thinking as all of this was going on. Was he angry, upset, enraged? I mean, after all, this, this woman had lived with her problem for 12 years, but his daughter was dying. That's certainly more important, isn't it? That's more serious, isn't it? If you're doing triage in the emergency room, you're going to take the one who's dying before the one who is living, but living with the problem. Why is Jesus taking this precious time with this woman when my little girl is dying? It's not fair. God's not fair. Have you ever hear yourself thinking that way? Reasoning that way? When God doesn't do things quite the way you 
have planned? Jesus knew something Jairus didn't. He paused to take time with this woman because he knew that he was going to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. God always knows things we don't know. And so, when these faithless men in verse 35 bring their report of the girl's death, the Bible says Jesus ignored them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe. And we ought to do the same thing. We ought to put aside our fears and put our faith and trust in Jesus because He knows things that we don't know about what's going on in our lives. A.T. Robertson was a Southern Baptist seminary professor and a world-renowned Greek scholar. He wrote probably the definitive work on the grammar of the Greek New Testament. I have a copy of it in my office. It's about that thick. It's, it's a, it's a heavy-duty book. In fact, uh, George W. Truett, the legendary and longtime pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas a century ago, reportedly said if he had a billion dollars, he would gladly trade it for Dr. Robertson's knowledge of the Greek New Testament. Well, when Dr. Robertson's daughter Charlotte was 12 years old, she unexpectedly and suddenly died. And naturally, Dr. Robertson was grief-stricken. He walked around in his home with his Greek New Testament open to this passage, repeating time and again, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. Why doesn't He raise mine? Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. Why doesn't He raise mine? After some days of rest and recovery, He went back to teaching, back into the classroom, and after class one day, a student uh, dropped by his office and found Dr. Robertson there with his Greek Testament open before him, tears welling in his eyes, but a smile on his face. And he was saying, he is the same Jesus today. He had recognized and acknowledged Jesus knows things we don't know. Jesus hasn't changed. He is the same Jesus today as the one who raised Jairus' daughter. Now, he doesn't often raise from death immediately, very rarely, in fact, but ultimately, he will raise to life everyone who trusts in him. In terms of his power to give life, he is the same Jesus today, and he can shower you with abundant and eternal life this morning if you will just stop being afraid and believe in him. Put your trust in the one who is Lord of all. When they arrived at Jairus' house, there were professional mourners already there. In, in that day and time, uh, when someone in the family died, let's say a man's wife, even the poorest man was expected to hire at least two flute players, and one professional mourner to come and mourn over the lost loved one. A man in Jairus' position, as a ruler of the synagogue with the resources he probably had, there may be a, a lot of professional mourners who had already hurried to the scene hoping that they might profit off of this circumstance. 
Some of them had already arrived. And notice Jesus' response in verse 39. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Jesus knew something they didn't know. But in their lack of faith, the Bible says they laughed at Him. It's in the imperfect tense. They kept on laughing at Him. The King James says they laughed Him to scorn. Because they had already decided what Jesus could do and what Jesus couldn't do. And they thought they knew that there's nothing He can do now, nothing anyone can do now. That little girl's dead. And to say otherwise is to speak out of your head. They were a lot like many people today who've already decided what Jesus can do and what Jesus can't do. But they were not going to be laughing long. Not because this child had not died. She had, in fact, physically died, experienced physical death. But Jesus says the child is not dead, but asleep. William Lane, in his commentary on the passage, says, In spite of the girl's real death, she has not been delivered over to the realm of death with all of its consequences. Now, that's not a matter of how long she had been dead. Because we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after he'd been in the tomb for four days. It's not a matter of that. Well, if they haven't been dead long enough, maybe we can get them back. What it's about is the distinction between physical death and eternal death. And Jesus, even with regard to Lazarus, he refers to this physical death as sleep. Something that we are not afraid of. We're not afraid to go to sleep. In fact, we often welcome it at the end of a tiring day. Jesus speaks of death, physical death, in those terms because it's different from eternal death. I sometimes tell a story at funeral services from the life of Dr. Buckner Fanning, the longtime pastor of a huge Baptist Church in San Antonio, Trinity Baptist Church. And one day he was working in his home office when his little son Stephen came in and saw a picture that Dr. Fanning kept there. And Stephen asked, who's that? And Fanning said, that's George W. Truett. And Stephen asked, well, who's he? He said, well, he's my boyhood pastor. Stephen said, well... Where, where's he now? Dr. Fanning was starting to get impatient. He had work to do and he wanted to move Stephen along. So he simply said, well, he's dead. And Stephen, after a long moment, said, he's not dead. He just died. He's not dead. He just died. Sounds an awful lot like Jesus, doesn't it? She's not dead. She's just asleep. She's just experienced physical death. Her body has died, but she's not dead. Of all these mourners and scorners, verse 40 says that Jesus simply put them all out because unbelievers are not privileged to see the mighty acts of faith. So they're excluded. They're out. They don't believe. The only ones who went in with Jesus were Peter, James, John, 
Jairus and his wife. And Mark writes the account of this from Peter's perspective. It's generally accepted that the Gospel of Mark is an account of the preaching and the testimony of the Apostle Peter. And he's writing this decades later, three decades perhaps, after the event. And he's asking Peter, Peter, you were there. What happened? What did he do? What did he say? And it had made such an impression on Peter that he remembered the very words that Jesus spoke to this little girl. So much so that Mark records them in the Aramaic in which Jesus would have said them, Talitha kum. And then he translates it for us. Little girl, arise. I think it would make a strong impression on me if I were to witness something like that as well. I don't think that's something I'd ever forget. And now Mark has recorded it for us. It's interesting that just as Jesus did with Lazarus and the widow's son, He spoke directly to the dead girl. Little girl, arise. And immediately it says in verse 42, she arose. She got up. She walked around. She was 12 years old. That teaches us that everyone who responds to the Lord's call in faith is given life. Abundant life in this age, eternal life in the age to come. When she heard the voice of Jesus, she responded and she stood and she lived. As Lord over all, Jesus knows things we don't know. A multitude of things we don't know. And He says to us, from a position of that knowledge and awareness, don't be afraid, just believe. Because as Lord over all, Jesus is worthy of your trust. Only Jesus can open the grave. Only God. That's a divine power. And when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, He exercised the power of God. He proved His Lordship. He is Lord over all. He excludes no one who comes to Him in faith, whatever their background or whatever their situation. As Lord over all, He knows things that you don't yet know. And He asks you to trust Him until He can reveal those things to you. He is Lord over all and He says to you this morning, don't be afraid, just believe. To those of you who've lost loved ones and your heart is broken and you think life is never going to be the same again, He says, don't be afraid, just believe. To those of you who may feel that your best years are behind you now and the relentless advance of age seems only to be taking more and more from you as each year goes by, Jesus says to you, don't be afraid, just believe. To those facing monumental medical problems, diagnoses that may threaten your very life, Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. And to those whose friends may be saying, why bother the teacher? He can't do anything for you. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Just believe. 
And you may say, Pastor, how do we know that we can trust Jesus? Well, part of me wants to say, don't be afraid, just believe. And I know if Jairus were standing up here in front of you today, he would say, don't be afraid, just believe. I've seen things you wouldn't believe. He had that experience. And then, of course, we could add to that 2,000 years worth of the testimonies of the people of God over the generations who have trusted in Christ and, and been sustained and been redeemed. And they would testify, don't be afraid, just believe. And there are others seated around you here in this place this morning who could give the same testimony that in the worst and lowest times of their lives, Jesus got them through and was faithful and trustworthy. But there's something even better that we have. In Jerusalem, there is a tomb carved out of solid rock. It corresponds in every respect to its description in the Gospel of John. They call it the garden tomb. It's in a garden area. It's just a stone's throw from what is known as Gordon's Calvary. Now the Catholics have built a huge shrine over the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where they traditionally say Jesus was buried. But I'm rather inclined by the way God does things to think that He preserved this garden tomb for us so that that ostentatious kind of thing would not be erected over it. And so I'm inclined also to believe that it is indeed the authentic, real tomb of Jesus Christ. And on July the 11th of 2006, I walked into that tomb all alone. I stood there by myself. I looked at the place where the body of Jesus was placed. I went there. I saw and now I can report to you eyewitness testimony that the body of Jesus Christ is not there. His tomb is as empty as it was on resurrection morning. He is Lord of all. Not only does He have the power of God to raise others to life, but He Himself rose to life on the third day just as He said. He knows things that they didn't know at the time. But we know now, don't we? He is not in that tomb. He is risen. That is our hope. That is our future. That is our everything. And because He is Lord and Lord of all, He can say to us all today, don't be afraid. Just believe. Pray with me. Father, forgive us for our fears, our timidity. Forgive us for listening to the voice of the evil one whispering in our ears that, uh, that we can't trust you, that, that we're too bad, too, too evil, too wrong, that our past is too broken to trust in you and to come to you and be received. Forgive us for those times when we're too afraid to take a risk for you and your kingdom, to put to work the 
resources and gifts that you've entrusted to us. Forgive us. And help us, Lord, to remember from this story and from the testimony of all the Scripture that Jesus is Lord over all, has been given the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, those on earth, under the earth, above the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of you, God, our Father. Lord, remind us of that today. Encourage us, strengthen us to live without fear of life or death or anything else. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. We're going to sing together a hymn and give you time to reflect and respond if you need to do so. I'll be waiting at the front. If you have a decision for Christ or for His church, you come. Let's stand to our feet now and sing.